And I'm curious by just a show of hands, how many of you would say, I'm a very opinionated person? Just lift your hand if you're opinionated. Okay. Yeah, there's some opinionated people. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who's very opinionated? Just lift your hand. Come on. Somebody threw up two hands. Come on. I know that's right. Uh, yeah, they are opinionated. Opinionated. We, we, we all have strong opinions. We can all, we can all have strong preferences. And, and some of us have such strong opinions that if somebody has a different opinion or preference than us, we will debate them. While their opinion is wrong and our opinion is right. Let, let me show you what I mean. By, by a loud shout, I want you to tell me which one you prefer. Okay? iPhone or Android? iPhone? Android. Okay, okay, here we go. Dogs? Cats? Yeah, those cats don't get much love, huh? I ain't screaming for cats either. Uh-uh. Uh, Coke or Pepsi? Coke? Pepsi? All right, all right, all right. Okay, coffee or tea? Hot coffee? Hot tea? Hey, now, some of y'all screaming for both of them. Stop it. Woo! Hey! No, you pick one. You only get one, okay? Okay, summer or winter? Summer. Winter. All right, all right. Beach vacation, mountain vacation. Beach vacation. Mountain vacation. Don't nobody want to go on no mountain vacation. That's not no vacation. That's work. Brother ain't going to the mountains. Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma State Cowboys. Walmart. Target. How y'all gonna hate on Walmart like that? Uh, in Seminole County, that's all we got is Walmart. You come to we woke her? It's talking about Target, huh? Action movie or love story? Action movie. Love story. Okay, my last one, my last one, my last one. Jordan. LeBron. Man, y'all know what y'all talking about. It's Michael Jordan every single time. I, I knew you had some strong opinions. And if I were to ask a lot of people, if God was a God of works or law, works and law, or a, a God of grace, there would be a lot of strong opinions. If he works or law, or, or is God a God of grace? And some of you today would have a strong opinion. Some of you would say God is a God of grace. Acts chapter 15, verse 10 says this. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. And this is so true about our God. We can only be saved by grace and not by works. Ephesians says it like this in chapter 2 and verse number 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are saved by grace and not by works. You cannot work to be saved. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot be good enough, kind enough, 
give enough, holy enough, love enough, stop enough bad habits to be right with God. You can only be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But after you're saved, your life will change. You don't change to get saved, but you do change when you are saved. Jesus is all about grace, but he's also all about truth. John chapter 1 verse 17 says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus is all about grace and truth. Not grace or truth, grace and truth. Some of you, your preference is grace. Grace, grace, marvelous grace, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And some of you, your preference is truth. You better live by the truth of God's word. You better live holy because God is holy. But with Jesus, there is no preference. He is both grace and truth. Grace and truth. You receive salvation only by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then after you're saved, after salvation, you live the truth of God's word. God's grace doesn't give you a license to ignore the word of God. God's grace doesn't give you a license to keep on sinning. It's quite the opposite. Romans chapter 6 Verse 1 and 2 says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? When we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. So we can't keep living the same life because the Holy Spirit inside of us, his job is to make us more and more like Jesus. In theological terms, it's a fancy word called sanctification. Come on, everybody say that word, sanctification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot become a Christian and not change. It is not possible because the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, his job is to make you more and more like Jesus. Change is a part of the Christian life. First John chapter five and verse 18 says, we know that anyone, would you say the word anyone? We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Sanctification. They become more like Jesus. First John chapter 2 and verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that, come on, say the word everyone. Everyone, every Christian, everyone who does what is right has been born of him. When you give your life to Jesus, you will start doing the right things that honor God. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19 says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and, what's that word, church? Everyone 
who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. When you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will begin to lead you away from different types of sins. It's a process. God continues to change you and I until the day we die. It's called sanctification. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. What I want you to understand, the Bible is teaching us that change is not optional for a Christian. If you are a Christian, you will change. Let me read one more verse to you. I promise you I don't have a trick Bible. All these verses are in your Bible too. Check this out. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, it says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. The seed of the Holy Spirit, the seed of the gospel is inside of the Christian. And the scripture says they cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Church, this is super important. I don't want you to miss this. If you say you're a Christian and nothing has ever changed in your life, it's questionable that the seed of Christ is inside of you. Because when the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, he begins to change you. Something in your life will change. The change doesn't always happen immediately, but it will happen. My, my wife and I, we have four children. Actually, we have four teenagers now. We have a 19-year-old son who is in college. We have a 17-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old son, all teenagers. And I remember when each one of them was born. I remember they were all born at Mercy Hospital on Memorial. I was there for all of their births. It was exciting to see my kids born. But I remember when Tiffany told me, baby number one, when she told me, I'm pregnant, I about fainted. Because <laughs> I thought, am I going to be a good dad? Am I going to mess them up? I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm qualified. I just felt like I don't know if I would be a good dad. And she said, but, but, but I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And, and the interesting thing is two or three months went by, and I couldn't even tell she was pregnant. Maybe she's not. Maybe, maybe I'm all right for a little while. I'm not getting ready to have no kids. And then a few more months went by, and the next thing you know, I'm like, the girl is pregnant. <laughs> I got a picture back in the AMC theater 19 years ago holding my pregnant wife's belly with our first child. And we gave, she gave birth to Kel in December of 20. 2003, she gave birth. It was interesting. She was pregnant, but I could not tell. But over a period of time, she began to show that she was pregnant. And when you are pregnant with the seed of the gospel, when the seed of the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you might not change immediately. But if the seed of the Holy Spirit is inside of you, sooner or later, your spiritual belly will begin to show and you're going to give birth to love and to peace and to joy and to self-control and to kindness. You cannot be pregnant with the Holy Spirit and not begin to show.
I, I'm not saying that you're going to be sinless, but you're going to sin less. Because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. When the Holy Spirit is inside of you, over time, you're going to have more used to's than still do's. Because the Holy Spirit makes you change. He changes you on the inside. The Holy Spirit changes your have to's to want to's. Come on, anybody remember when you first got saved? You got saved and you still wanted to live ratchet. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Still wanted to be nasty. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You won't raise your hand right now, but you know what I'm talking about. Huh? But, but over some time, the Holy Spirit, you was like, man, I, I have to live for God. I'm a Christian now. But over time, God changes those have-tos to want to. I want to live holy. I want to please God. I want to pray. I want to be in church. I want to read the Bible. I want to live holy because the Holy Spirit makes us more and more like Jesus. Here's the question, here's the question, here's the question. If change is a part of the Christian life, the question is this, what keeps Christians from changing? What causes Christians to stay stuck in the same sin pattern, the same bad habits, the same stinking thinking, the same destructive behavior? Here's what I want to do today. I want to help you experience the change God wants to bring to your life so that you have fewer regrets in 20 23, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to change you. And here's how I want to accomplish this today. I want to compare two kings in the Bible, King Saul and King David. They were very similar and yet very different. Both were kings over Israel. Both were anointed by God. Both made mistakes. But the legacy they left behind were very different. I need a little help before I dive on and dive in and keep on preaching. I need you to look at your neighbor with a serious look right now. And I want you to ask them this question. Are you King Saul or King David? Go ahead and ask them. Are you King Saul or King David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one? 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 King Saul, King David, which one? Which one are you? Which one are you? Which one are you? I, I want to show you the legacy they both left Behind. Listen to King Saul's legacy. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 53. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Wow. I don't want to live my life in such a way that the Lord regrets making me Tiffany's husband. But the Lord regrets me being the dad of Kel, Cade, Karis, and Case. I don't want to live in such a way that the Lord regrets me being the senior pastor of People's Church. That he regrets me being a friend to the people in my small group or to other friends in my life. Oh, God, help us not to live in such a way that one day you look back and you regret giving us that type of influence. And now let's look at King David's legacy in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. After removing Saul, he made David their king. This is thousands of years later. We're reading now in the New Testament about David's legacy. It said, God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. 
Notice what it goes on to say about his legacy in verse 36 in chapter 13. It says, now when David has served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. How is it possible for two men to be anointed by God, to be kings over Israel, to be the leader of his people, and one God regretted and rejected, and the other God said, this is a man after my own heart, and he served God's purpose in his generation. What's the difference? The answer is one was willing to change. And the other was not. And I want us to learn some valuable lessons about changing from King David and King Saul. Are you King David or are you King Saul? The first lesson I want us to learn is Saul had a prideful heart, but David had a humble heart. One of the key reasons Saul did not change is he allowed his success to develop pride in his heart. He became king, and he got the big head. I want you to see this in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 17. Samuel said, the prophet said, although you were once, you're not now, but there was a time you were once small in your own eyes. Did you not become the head of, head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And Saul started out small in his own eyes, but success caused him to get the big head. Success caused him to get big in his own eyes. And he became so big in his own eyes, he began to ignore the commands of God. He took it upon himself at one time to do the priestly duties. Instead of allowing the priest to do his duties, Saul decided, I am going to take matters into my own hands instead of waiting on the priest Samuel. I'm going to give you one verse on this. You can read the entire chapter and the context of how, Sam, how Saul did the priestly duties, but no, notice one verse, 1 Samuel 13, verse 9. So he said, this is Saul, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering and the priest was supposed to offer up the burnt offering. But Saul became big in his own eyes, and he thought, I'm going to do things my way instead of God's way. And I want you to listen to how big Saul's head got in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 12. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and turned and gone on down to Gilgal. Saul became so big, he was like, hey, we're going to set up a monument in honor of me. Not in honor of God. I'm big. I'm awesome. We're going to make an honor, a monument to honor me. But, but, but David, on the other hand, he did not allow his successes to go to his head. David became king, but he stayed small in his own eyes. David did not set up a monument in his honor. Matter of fact, David's heart was to set up a monument in the honor of God. David's heart was to build God a temple. It says this in 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 17. My father David had it in his heart to build a temple, not for himself, to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of 
Israel. David wanted to build God a temple. David remained humble. I want you to hear these words from David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 18. It displays his humility. Then King David went in and he sat before the Lord and he said, who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? Can I tell you, when your heart is touched with humility, there's humility in your heart. You don't forget where you come from. You start saying, who am I? I know I'm from Wewoka. I know my people. I know where I come from. And God, I cannot believe, David said, you've brought me this far. David was king, but he stayed small in his own eyes. He was small, and he made God big. Second Samuel, that same chapter, chapter 7, verse 22, David goes on to say, How great are you, sovereign Lord? There is no one like you. David didn't say, No, God, there's no one like me. I'm so special. No, no, God, you, are, you, you, you know, God, I am awesome. I am it on a stick. No, he didn't say that. He said, no, 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 there is no God but you. As we have heard with our own ears, David had a heart to change because he stayed small in his own eyes. Church family, please hear your pastor's heart today. Stay little in your own eyes. Don't become conceited. Don't get the big head. Don't become entitled. Don't think you deserve what you have. Don't think you deserve more than what you already have. Just stay little and make God big. You decrease and let God increase. Prideful people, here's what they do. They resist change. They resist the Holy Spirit. Humble people yield to the work of the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit change their life. Church, stay little. You decrease. And here's my concern today is some of you are becoming big in your own eyes. Some of you, you think you're better than others. Your, your accomplishments have you puffed up. The, the, the money you make, the possessions you've acquired have gone to your head. And I just want to say to my church family today, you want to humble yourself before God versus God humbling you like he did King Saul. And the scripture says that the scripture, that's our job is to humble ourselves. The Bible says you humble yourself before God. And church, you, you got to humble yourself. It's always better to humble yourself before God versus God humbling you. And the big head will keep you from changing. There, there's a second. There's a second. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Saul feared man, but David feared God. Notice this in 1 Samuel 15, verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Saul became gripped by the fear of man. He desired to please people more than he desired to please God. And church, our lives are in a dangerous place when we fear man more than we fear God. Proverbs says it like this in chapter 29, verse 25. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting 
the Lord means safety. Fearing people is always a dangerous trap. You won't change because you're so consumed about what other people think about you. So you get into a relationship with someone you have no business with because you're consumed with what other people think about you. You stay in that toxic friendship that pulls you away from Jesus because you're so consumed with what other people think about you. You're unethical in your business deals. You're lying to your spouse, to your parents, to your co-workers, to your teachers because you're concerned with what other people think about you. Your life is all about creating an image and protecting that image so that you look good in front of people and the fear of people is a trap and it will keep you from changing but when you look at the life of David he was more concerned with pleasing God than he was pleasing people he had a fear of God a a deep reverence for the Lord David wrote these words in Psalm chapter 34 and verse 9 he says fear the Lord You, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Two verses later, he says, come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. David says, not only do I fear God, but this is so important. I want to teach other people to fear the Lord. And then two verses later, he goes on to write that fearing God leads to a changed life. I want you to see this, Psalm 34, verse 13. He says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. When you fear God more than you fear people, it will lead you to change your speech. It will lead you and cause you to turn away from evil, and you'll start turning to good, good things like like peace. You will turn from evil when there is a fear of the Lord. Think about this. Two similar kings, both anointed by God, both kings over Israel, but two different outcomes because one changed and one did not. I want us to learn a third lesson here, and that is number three. What will keep us from changing? Saul justified his sins, but David repented from his sins. Saul and David both sinned against God. These men were not perfect kings. They were not perfect people. None of us are. And after they both sinned, the Bible says a prophet of God came to them and confronted them. And these two kings had drastically different responses. How they responded to their sin caused one to change and caused one not to change. When Saul disobeyed the Lord's direct command, the prophet Samuel showed up to confront Saul. And do you know what Saul did? Saul justified his sins. Saul made excuses over his sin. I want you to see this, his excuses, his justification. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 15. It says, Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Now, I want you to catch this. What, what's transpired here is God told Saul to destroy all of the animals. But, but, but Saul here is justifying and said, well, we, we killed everything else, but we, we, we spared the best. We kept the best sheep and the best cattle, but that's not what God told you to do. God told you to destroy all of it, but he's justifying his own disobedience. Notice just a, several verses later, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 19, the, the prophet Samuel says, why did you not obey the Lord? 
You know you didn't destroy all that God told you to destroy. You didn't do what God told you to do. He said, why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Verse 20, Saul says, but I did obey the Lord. Fool, no, you didn't. You didn't obey the Lord. You just said you didn't do it. Isn't that what we do when we disobey God, huh? Well, but, but I did obey the Lord, kind of. But I did do what God wanted me to do, sort of. You know, God knows my heart. And Saul said, I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, king, their king. No, 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 you didn't, Saul. Saul, you're making excuses for your disobedience. And rather than owning his sin and asking for forgiveness and repenting, he pointed the finger everywhere else. I said this week one of the series, and I'm going to say it again because it's so important that it gets in our hearts. You can make excuses or you can make changes, but you can't make both. You can make excuses or you can make changes, but you can't make both. And how many of you know that you and I, we're professionals at making excuses? I mean, we're good at justifying what we do. Well, my boss is a jerk. That's why I'm a jerk. Well, that employee is cutting corners and they're getting bonuses. So I'm going to do the same thing. Well, they lied on me. So I'm going to lie on them. They hurt me deeply, so I deserve to hold on to this unforgiveness. I have so much pain in my heart. If you knew how much my heart was hurting, I have to get drunk at night and drown away this sorrow and this pain. My spouse is not meeting my needs, and I deserve to be happy, so it's okay if I step out on them. I got to justify. I got to make some good excuses. Like I, I, I'm like this because that's how I grew up. I can't help it. I have to. I want to. I need to. I can't stop. Excuses. And when we justify our sin, we cannot change. And just like Saul, we can get so busy making excuses rather than making changes. But David committed some horrible sins. But I want you to see his response. It was very different than Saul's. The prophet Nathan came and he confronted David and he began to confront David over his adultery. He began to confront David over murder. And I want you to see David's immediate response. This was his immediate response when the prophet said, you're the one. You've sinned. You did it. And here's what David did in 2 Samuel 12 verse 13. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned. I have sinned against the Lord. I don't have any excuses. I'm not pointing the finger. I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. David took ownership of his sin. No excuses. He just had a broken heart before God. Owning our sin leads us to repentance. Owning our sin leads to change. David owned his sin and he wrote these words in Psalm chapter 51. I think it's one of the most powerful chapters in the Bible. And David wrote, wash away all my iniquity. After he sinned against God, he said, and cleanse me 
from my sin. God, I know that I've sinned. I need you to cleanse me. I'm not, I'm not justifying it. I'm not making excuses. I'm not pointing fingers. I need you to cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge God against it's just you and you only have I sinned. He goes on to say in verse number 10, because he wanted to change. He was owning it. He was repenting. He was confessing. And he goes on to say, create in me a pure heart. God, I want to change. I don't want to keep living the way that I've been living. I don't want to keep doing what I've been doing. Create in me a pure heart, oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, give me a steadfast spirit that I won't fall back into that sin. I won't fall back into that habit. I won't fall back into that addiction. I won't fall back into that, in that, in that issue that I've been in. God, God, give me a steadfast spirit. Then he says, don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. God, I need your Holy Spirit. It's your Holy Spirit that changes me. It's your Holy Spirit that makes me more like you. It's your Holy Spirit that gives me power to live a life of victory. And today I'm talking to somebody. You're, you're, you're entangled in some sin. You're trapped in some sin. You're trapped in some addiction. Some of you, it's some small things. Some of you, it's some big things. But there's some things holding you back from all God wants for you in 2023. And I do not want you to live a life full of regret in 2023. And it simply happens by saying, God, I surrender to you. God, I confess my sin. I'm not justifying it. I'm not pointing figures. I'm saying, God created me a clean heart. Today, somebody's going to get victory. Today, somebody's going to get free. Today, somebody, a sin has been holding you hostage. And the power of Jesus Christ is going to set you free and creating you a clean heart and a pure heart today God's going to renew a steadfast spirit in somebody listen you're not going to leave out of here the same way you came in the power of the Holy Spirit is going to touch you and help you today to walk in victory in Jesus name would you stand with me all around this building would you stand would you stand would you stand would you stand I'm asking for somebody right now who says pastor you're talking to me it might be something small it might be something big but I want you to step out in faith and respond to the Lord and I want you to when you respond and get down to the front of this building I want you just to begin to lift your hands and begin to pray God created me a clean heart oh God it was me I've sinned against you I've done wrong and I need your help I need you to forgive me and cleanse me and help me live right if that's you would you step out of your seat right now and, and would you begin to come Stand across the front of this building right now. Would you just come on and stand? Come on, let's begin to sing this song, church. As you respond to the Lord, would you come and just begin to lift your hands and say, God, it's me. It's me, Lord. I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your strength. I thank you for bold people that are stepping out right now, saying, God, I need grace and mercy. I need you to create in me a clean heart. You are love, you bring light to the dark. Oh, there's some more of you, the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Oh, don't stay in your seat. Step out, there's freedom from you today. There's freedom, there's victory for you today. Just come on and step out and say, God, that's me. I need freedom from this thing. I need victory today. I'm not leaving the same way I came in. I'm leaving different today. some more of you. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. Just keep coming. Keep coming. It's your breath in my love.
get some of our staff to come, so spouses to come, lay hands on these, pray with them. speaking to you. There's victory for you. Just keep coming. Just come on down front. Just step on out by faith and say, I know it's me, Lord. I need help today. I need strength today. I need victory today. Help me, Lord. Just make your way on forward. Just come on forward. Just come on forward. Step on forward. Just come on forward. in this house today. There's victory in this house today. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, receive it. If you need to receive it in your seat, lift your hands right now. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Victory right now. Lord, I thank you right now that by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing destroys the work, the yokes of bondage. And I pray right now, the yoke of bondage be destroyed by the anointing. I thank you right now that addictions are being broken. Strongholds are being broken by the name and the power of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus right now. I thank you right now somebody is getting set free from sin. Somebody's mind is getting free. Somebody's heart is getting free. Somebody right now is getting victory in the strong name of Jesus. Victory, 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 victory. Freedom, 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 freedom. Freedom in the name of the Lord. Freedom in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. 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 There's power. In the name of Jesus, there's a victory in the name of Jesus. Come on, great are you, Lord. Come on, let's worship, church. There's a victory happening around this place. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out Renew a steadfast spirit within them. Somebody's leaving change today in the name of Jesus. His eyes are still closed and heads are bowed. I'm talking to some people that don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm not asking, have you been to church? Do you know about religion? Can you quote a scripture? There's a lot of people that can do that. And they're living the same way they've always lived. They've even prayed a prayer before. But there's been no change. 
there's no evidence that the Holy Spirit lives inside of them. And if that's you, you've never been, what the Bible calls it being born again, not religion, being born again. And I want you to be born again where the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and begins to change you. As I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. For some of you, you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You're like Saul. You've been doing your own thing. Your heart's got full of pride. You've been living how you want to live. Today, would you come back home, humble yourself before God, and recommit your life to the Lord? If that's you, as I count to three, I want you to raise your hand high to be born again or to rededicate your life to the Lord. One, two, three. Just lift it high right now. That's it. 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 Online. That's it. Just click the raise your hand button or, or just write, that's me, that's me, that's it, that's it, that's it. Come on, pray this prayer with me right now. Pray this prayer with me right now. You're going to be born again. Somebody's going to rededicate their life to the Lord right now. Pray this prayer with me right now. Just pray, Heavenly Father, I turn my life over to Jesus. And I confess that Jesus is my Lord and is my Savior. I turn from sin and turn to Jesus. He's my Savior. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And I will follow the Holy Spirit's leading the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray.